doing business is different than it was five years ago, 10 or 20 years ago. But also understanding that your biggest challenge is to surround yourself with good people. You know, if you want to make your life easy and a lot of fun, surround yourself with good people. And if you want the opposite of that, you know, surround yourself with not the right people because that makes life not fun and business not fun. So, you know, and you will always find yourself with the wrong people because that's part of life. But at the end of the day, you're continually working to make it better. And to do that, make it better with the people first. And guess what? And your life will be more fun and your business will be more successful. Welcome to The In Factor, conversations about how great entrepreneurs started, stumbled, and succeeded. I'm Rebecca White, and joining me today is the founder and executive chairman of Marine Max, the nation's largest recreational boat and yacht retailer. Bill is an award-winning boating industry leader with over 40 years of experience. He has led Marine Max into the Boating Industries Hall of Fame after twice being awarded the number one dealer in the United States. As a lifelong water skier and boater, he has a passion for the industry and is dedicated to helping customers enjoy the boating lifestyle. I'm excited to have Bill on the podcast. I am confident you will enjoy hearing the important lessons for success he shares in our conversation. Well, Bill, thank you so much for joining me today on InFactor. Oh, thank you, Rebecca, and happy to be here and and very excited about the University of Tampa. And I was on the board there for a little bit and enjoyed my time. Yeah, well, thank you. And I think that's how I met you originally when you were on the board of trustees and I had the chance to get to know you. And, you know, it's been an honor so far to be to be able to get to work with you over the last several years and to get to know you. And it's really exciting for me today to have you on InFactor. I'd like to start by talking a little bit about your background. Marine Max is the country's largest retailer and has made a lot of expansion into new areas in more recent years, thanks to a lot of your innovative background. And just it's been around, I think, as a public company for about 20 or 21 years. And just a really great fixture here in the Tampa Bay area and actually around the country and the world. Could you tell us a little bit more about how you got started with Marine Max? Well, you have to turn the clock back a little bit before Marine Max to, to explain what, what happened with Marine Max. And, you know, by education, I'm a mechanical engineer and went to work for Pratt Whitney Aircraft out of college as a test engineer on the SR 71 and then decided I wanted to be an astronaut. So I went to work for at Langley Air Force Base in Virginia, and we were working on the space station. And I'm a very impatient type of guy. And the space program in the late 60s, early 70s was coming to a screeching halt after Kennedy had passed away years before. And so I said, ah, let's get into manufacturing. So I went to work for what today is Colgate-Palmolive and was working my way up out of in a plant in Kentucky. And they wanted me to move to Boston or New York. And I said, two kids, another one on the way. I don't know that I want to 
raised my kids in either Boston or New York, nothing wrong with it, but I was very active in water skiing and didn't like the idea of the winter shutting everything off. So had an uncle in the boat business in Sarasota, Florida, and I came down and joined him and just in time for the herbs to cut off the oil. So I learned some good lessons at that time. But anyway, over the years grew a company called Gulfwind Marine, which was on the west coast of Florida, where you are, into one of the largest sea ray dealers in the world. And kept thinking, boy, we ought to come up with some synergies of putting a bunch of companies together. And so in 1998, we did an IPO and created this company called Marine Max. And we did it with the primary goal and strategy of really trying to change our industry. And the boating industry is pretty fragmented. There's about 5,000 dealers out there. So we decided that, hey, it's time that this industry need to grow up a little bit and become more technology focused and more innovative and really to improve the customer experience. So we put the company together. And, you know, at that time I knew basically the words IPO and that's about it. So we had to learn real quick how to operate in the world of the SEC and being a public company. And we grew the company and, you know, this year we'll, we just finished up a, a little better than a billion and a half in revenues. And we're on track for this year to be a billion eight. And so we're growing it for the sake of making it better, not for the sake of just growing. And so that's continues to be our focus. And you know, it's been an exciting time. It's been challenges over the years, but hey, that's what keeps us young and keeps us excited and wanting to move forward is the challenges and accepting the problems as they come. And every now and then the problems show up. Sure. Like the virus is an example now. And how do you capitalize on the problem? So make the most of everything and look for problems as an opportunity. So that's, yeah. that's well, there's so, yeah. Yeah, there's so much in there that I'd love to kind of unpack a little bit for our listeners. I love to, you mentioned, one of the first things you mentioned was your impatience, which is pretty typical of entrepreneurs. You may not have known at the time that you were an entrepreneur, but it sounds like it's it's partly in your DNA, that sense of urgency to make a difference and have an impact. And also you talked a lot about, you know, you talked about you know, being happy there in the Midwest. Are you a Midwesterner from the... No, uh, is that where you grew up? raised on a farm in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. You know, my dad was an entrepreneur, a business person, and he bought the farm for my two brothers, two sisters to basically say, I'm going to teach you guys how to work and also to keep us out of trouble. So we were raising cattle and raising tobacco and farming and dad was working and he'd come home and give us instruction as to what we didn't do right or sometimes what we did do right and kept us involved in, hey, you got to make it work. And, you know, the problems were we had old farm equipment and we had to keep that running. So we were rebuilding engines and fixing balers and et cetera and learning along the way as to what we could do. So the social life was family 
and, you know, church on Sunday. But at the end of the day, it was eventually water skiing on us on the Sunday after we had milked the cows and, and taken care of all the farm work and done everything we were supposed to do. I grew up in a, a small little town outside of Nashville. And it's interesting that there in the first through eighth grade, there were two Catholic nuns and they each taught four grades apiece. And so, you know, I think my graduating class from grammar school was six. And then high school, it was like 15. And so, you know, small school, rural area, but a great place to learn a lot of lessons that I have carried on through through the rest of my life. Sure. And that was the other thing I wanted to mention was learning because you talked about, you've talked about learning, you've mentioned learning several times and, you know, a big part of entrepreneurship is about learning and about creativity. And like you, I grew up in very rural part of Southern West Virginia. And I learned very quickly on that, that I had to sort of make my own fun and be pretty creative. (laughs) And so, you know, I always felt like I was missing out on something, but at the same time, looking back on it, I think it was an excellent start for an entrepreneurial journey because like you, I learned very quickly that I had to be creative and innovative That the, if I wanted to have fun. So you started water skiing on a lake there outside of Knoxville, you said, or Nashville. Yeah, Nashville. Yeah, Nashville. it was Old Hickory Lake. And we had gone down to see my uncle in Florida on a, on a summer vacation for a week or so, and we towed back a boat. So there I learned how to water ski. And actually, my cousin who was in the business with my uncle at that time, was world water ski champion at that time. So he's kind of been the idol I followed my whole life and, you know, getting into competitive water skiing, et cetera. But, you know, that was part of the boating. And, you know, to your point, Rebecca, you know, on the farm, you, you learn a lot of different lessons. And, you know, one is uh, you better make hay while the sun shines because, That's the urgency that you talked about before, because, you know, if the hay is out and it looks like it might rain tomorrow or the next day, you better get it in Yeah, or it'll get destroyed. And, you know, we also learned that, you know, if your tractors, if your neighbor's tractors in the ditch, go help them because tomorrow's your may be in, your tractor may be in the ditch. So helping others and working, you know, in collaboration with others is very important. And, you know, And you said this, you know, you make the most of everything and have fun while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. So when I was plowing a a field for six hours in the sun, you know, I was singing and making up songs and jokes or whatever in order to entertain myself. Because that's what you had to do. You had to entertain yourself in a lot of regards, also with your, the rest of your family and You know, and I mentioned that, you know, from problems come opportunities because if the tractor's broken, you're learning from it and you're you're figuring out, you know, what to do and how to make it work. Whether that's, you know, when you're bailing hay, how to take bailing wire and and fix it until you can finish and, and do a better job of it. And also you learn that there is absolutely, absolutely no substitute for hard work. None. And, you know, it is the effort that you put in and it needs to be productive effort. But at the end of the day, there is no substitute for hard work. And, 
And I learned in those early years as well that, you know, boating is a wonderful, wonderful recreation. And it did a lot for me and also for my family. And not only, you know, in childhood, but later on in life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned hard work. And what's fascinating with this podcast, I think I've interviewed at least 50 people by now. And one of them, I guess the common theme among all of them is that this is hard work. If you want to be successful as an entrepreneur, it's hard work. And I think sometimes, you know, people look at you and others like you and your success and you make it look easy, but it hasn't been. It's been a lot of hard work. And I I love that you mentioned that there's really no substitute for that. But at the same time, like you mentioned, you have fun while you're doing it. And that's what makes it not feel so painful, right? Even though it's a lot of hard work. And you mentioned people, you know, I'd like to dig in a little bit more into Marine Max. What I've observed in watching you and knowing about you is that you have built phenomenal relationships in the industry and that you've always believed in the importance of people and that your employees and your customers. And could you tell us a little bit about your philosophy about the strategy of Marine Max? What do you think? You said you wanted to constantly improve, I think, and to to build a better organization. What does that mean for you? Does that have something to do with, with the way you treat people and the way you work with people and sort of get that feeling? Well, I think what gets me up every day and excited about, and I'm still working, even though I'm call it semi-retired, what keeps me excited about what we're doing. And and I'd say the majority of our team is that, you know, we change people's lives through this thing called boating because we help them connect with that inner self. And that's that feeling of accomplishment for me in the slalom course or for taking the family out or navigating to a new destination or whatever, but it also, it brings together a family. So it's connecting people with each other. And so, you know, we change people's lives. And so, you know, I've worked very hard over, you know, my 47 years in the boat business and Marine Max now for 22 years, I've worked very hard to make sure that You know, our team understands that, hey, this is a family recreation and we are only as good as our team. And it's so it's truly about the people. And if there's one quality that, you know, a leader needs to exemplify and our managers need to show is that you care and you care about these people. You not only care about what they're doing in the job. You care about them on a personal level as well that, you know, that they're doing fine. Their health is okay now in the COVID environment, but also that they've got a good family life. And so it is about the people. And so we have done a lot to show our team and to help them with that. As an example, many years ago, we brought on a clinical psychologist full-time, Dr. Ray Bowman. And, you know, most companies less than a billion dollars would never consider doing anything like that. And I got to tell you, our board for a little bit even questioned that decision. What are you doing? You're going to pay the premium for a clinical psychologist full-time on staff, but it's there to help coach our team. You mentioned learning 
And, you know, it is always about learning. I try to learn something most every day, whether that's on the internet or in communications or whatever. And our team does the same thing. And so, you know, you're either growing or you're decaying and, you know, you can't stay the same. And to grow, you need to learn. And so we're doing about that. We're doing that. And so whether that's, you know, learning about business or whether that's learning about health and what you should do there or learning about how you treat people and what to do and how you adjust and how you find opportunities and problems, it is learning. But at the end of the day, it's about people. It's about our customers and making sure that they're happy and reducing their hassles and taking care of them from a service perspective, et cetera. But also, you know, it begins with the team. If you have happy team members, guess what? You have happy customers Mm -hmm. and it takes that. And so, you know, I've looked at businesses and I've experienced through some of our manufacturers, businesses where the leaders, it's all about looking for the next job and the next position about, you know, hey, I'm an MBA, look at me. But at the end of the day, it's about caring for the people and caring for the customers. And if you don't have that, and it begins with passion, you know, passion is, is something, you know, people talk about, but it, you've got to internalize it. And if you're passionate about your people, you're passionate about your business, then guess what? That's success because it comes out, it happens. But if you don't have that passion, it's just a job. And, you know, one of the, one of the greatest gifts in life is to be doing something that you're passionate about and you enjoy doing. Mm -hmm. And it's like you, Rebecca, it's obvious. You love what you're doing. You're passionate about it. That's what makes it work. It's not just a job. And so, you know, a message to the fellow students that may be listening here is, you know, find something you're going to be passionate about and then go get it and don't ever give up persevere and make it happen. And when, you know, problems come and they will, and my gosh, we've had a lot of them over our lifetime and including 2008, mm-hmm. look for the opportunities and, and, you know, how do you, how do you find those opportunities and how do you make the most of them? And, you know, I tell my girls, I've got, you know, I got three grown kids, nine grown kids, and I've got a 10 year old, a 12 year old at home. And, you know, I don't even have to say much more than the first word and they know what I'm going to say. If I say problems, they'll say problems are opportunities, daddy. (laughs) And, you know, so find the opportunity in the problem and make the most of it, make the most of everything. And, you know, it's true. And so, you know, you got to have fun. You got to enjoy what you're doing. Doesn't mean you don't have to work hard. Because you do. But at the end of the day, if you love what you're doing and you're passionate about it and you're focused on it, great things happen. And, you know, you know, we all read about Elon Musk and maybe he's a little crazy in some regards, but it, there's, there's one thing for sure. He's passionate about what he's doing. And at the end of the day, look what he created in Tesla. Look what he's doing in SpaceX. People said, impossible. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, how do you do this? I mean, how do you spend, send people for that kind of money to the space station? And how do you make that happen? 
And it's because he was passionate and determined to do it. And he did. And guess what? It's working. I've had five Teslas. If I tried to take my Tesla away from my wife, I'd have a real problem. But, you know, it's uh, <laughs> so you got to be passionate about what you're doing. Back to the people. It's the people that drive everything. And so you leverage the people. And, you know, when I still do this today, but when I was going into the office every single morning, I was the first one there almost every day. And that's a message mm -hmm. in itself, okay, to the rest of the team. But the main reason I did it, he gave me time alone to lay out the day and to say to myself, okay, now here's the things I'd like to accomplish today. All right. Now, what are the ones that really I can do best and I probably should do? And what are the ones that maybe somebody else could even do better that I could assign? And so you empower others to do those things and give you the time to be creative, think, and at the same time, do the things that only you can do the very best in the company. Right. So that's what we try to do. Delegate. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. If you try to control it too much and do everything, it doesn't give your, your team a chance to grow either, right? So, so there's an important lesson. It's kind of like, what is the highest and best use of my time? And what can I have others contribute? You know, Bill, a lot of people talk about customer service and about, about making sure that employees are are in the right positions in your company and they're able to succeed. But I know because I'm fortunate enough to have the opportunity to work with you over the years, we first met on sort of this conversations around a lot of this. So, so I know that what you're saying is not just something you say, it's actually something that you've built into the strategy of your company. And as an example, you know, I'm kind of an unusual board member being a college professor and someone who's in learning and innovation, but you saw some opportunity there and you and the other board have given me a chance to be on the board, which has been a thrill for me. But as part of that education of being involved with the company, I've seen that you've actually applied, you've applied models to the strategy in the organization to make sure that you're actually, that you're actually including these people first kinds of philosophies. Could you talk a little about that? I know you've worked some with top grading and you've also worked with, you know, formulas that actually measure customer satisfaction. And then that's built into compensation and other parts of the organization. Could you just talk a few minutes about how you've operationalized some of these things? Well, you know, first of all, I need to say that when I recognized the perhaps opportunity to bring you on our board, Rebecca, when I first presented it to the board, the board said, we don't want an educator on board. I mean, that's, we don't need an educator. Not surprising. And, <laughs> and so I had to wait a little bit. And then we came back and said, you need to meet Dr. White, because we are about the people. That's what it's about. And at the end of the day, entrepreneurship is what we look for in each one of our now 77 stores is we're looking for entrepreneurs. And guess what? She's a leader in the industry and in the country is in entrepreneurship. And after they met you, it was, it was a done deal. So that was, <laughs> that was what it's about. But 
customer satisfaction and team member satisfaction is everything, Rebecca. And we do net promoter score. I didn't like the name of it. And I didn't like the, the names of, you know, what they call people that aren't, you know, fans. So we, we named it fans because that's what it's about. It's about making fans of the company. And so we asked the two questions, just like the net promoter score on a scale of zero to 10, 10 being the best. How would you recommend Marine Max to a family or friend? And then why did you give the score you gave? And the book called The Ultimate Question, which talks about net promoter score. I mean, we are top of the list when it comes to it. I mean, I think our net promoter score right now is an average. Remember, you can have minus 100 or plus 100 and ours is 76 or something like that. And what's interesting, we do this for five years and we're actually launching it for 10, but we truly measure it for the first five years of ownership of a product of ours. And, you know, even after five years, it's in the seventies. So we're doing very well with that. We pay our team members, managers on that. And of course it's shared in our daily stand-up meetings, the results of what the customers say, why they gave us a 10 or nine or didn't. So that all of our team members are focused and they understand that. And it's not something you buy. You know, CSI, I don't like. And the book talks about that as well, the ultimate question. And, you know, I can't stand it when, you know, we go out to dinner or you buy something or you have an experience and they send you a list of 20 questions. It's terrible. And so we keep it to two, but it's part of what we do. You know, I did top grading a long time ago, and Dr. Brad Smart's a good friend, and that's something else the board said. What are you, what are you doing? You're spending all this money. But at the end of the day, it's, it's about making sure you have the right people in the right spot. And, you know, his teaching, Dr. Brad Smart, is that, you know, A players won't work for C players. And, boy, it is exactly right. And it's a work in progress all the time when you're top grading, because you're always looking for the best talent that you can possibly get into position. And he also says that, you know, you're doing people a favor if they're a C player to let them know and let them move on or be, or go back in a position or go forward in a position to where they can become an A player. You're doing them a favor of doing that. So it's helped us in our HR efforts without having lawsuits because we do reviews of our team members. And at the same time, you know, we tell them the truth because that's what it's about. The review is not, Hey, check the box and you did this or that. It's, Hey, how do you get better? And if you're not doing something, here's what we expect. And when are you going to deliver on that? We're going to follow up here shortly. It's part of the culture in our company and it's, you know, this whole thing of rules, habits, cultures, you know, you first need rules that says, here's what we're going to do and here's how we're going to do it. And then as those become habits, they become culture. And we, we work hard on making sure it's a culture within our company. You know, little things like we call them team members rather than employees. And I, I just think there's a lot in using the word team member versus an employee employees, somebody shows up for work, a team member is part of a team. And so 
we focus it that way. You know, I'm no longer the CEO. I'm an executive chairman and, you know, I work hard at it, but I'm there to help guide the rest of the team. So it's, you know, I'm on the call who my son became CEO, not because he was my son. If anything, that was probably made it more difficult for him to achieve that. So our board, as well as a committee we put together, you know, helped in the determination of who my successor would be to assume the daily operating part of our business. And over three years, he's doing a phenomenal job. And the main thing that my son, Brett has, and I'm very proud of most of our team I'd say all of our team, and that is they live the values that we profess. And, you know, Rebecca, it's about the values, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not saying, you know, treat others as the way you want to be treated or be honest or whatever the case may be. It's living them. And when you live them, then guess what? That's where the, the rubber meets the road. And that's what really makes the difference. Absolutely. And and I know enough about the organization to know that you're absolutely correct there. And it's so powerful when people take ownership, so to speak, they actually, they feel empowered to make a difference in the organization. And that's what really moves the organization forward. You know, an entrepreneurial mindset in a public company like Marine Max really has to start at the top, that this feeling of taking responsibility and living the values. And you've certainly, I think, built that kind of culture. And it is fun to see Brett and what he's doing now. Now, I know a part of what he brought to the table was a real interest and background in technology. And I know Marine Max has become a leader, I, I believe, in the industry in terms of building digital assets. Do you, would you like to comment on that? Do you have any thoughts you could share? Because you're an incredibly innovative kind of guy and, and have been investing in lots of innovative directions. And I think a lot of the more recent have, have been in the technology space. Well, Rebecca, you know, the world has changed and it's not only changing, it's changing at a rapid, rapid rate. And technology is driving most of that. The internet is driving that. I mean, there are no secrets today. You know, we can argue as to whether news is news or opinions, but at the end of the day, you know, we are exposed and from every direction we can imagine from this technological world that we live in. And so, you know, Brett's education was in IT at University of Dayton. And after I remember we were installing our computer system when it was his senior year in college. So the owner of the company out of Canada was in my office and he said, you know, we're installing this system. And I brought Brad home on a break when we were doing the installation. And he said, I'd like to hire your son. And I wish you would. I said, I wish you would, because I really think he needs to experience other than Marine Max being that, you know, he had grown up working in Marine Max from washing boats underage at the time and to uh, learning how to work in the parks department to doing some in service, et cetera, and sales. And so giving some experience. So he basically brought this software package and hardware package to the U.S. to the RV and Marine industry. And after five years, we asked him to join our company. And 
you know, Brett understands it. He gets it. He understands social media. He understands IT. And he is brought on board, just like Dr. Bowman. How could you go out and get the best of the best? He did the same thing in our IT department, a guy named Sean Berg, who worked for, a, I think, a $7 billion company at the time. But, you know, it's about the people. And so we are doing things today that some of them are a dream of mine. We have this thing called boat shows and our industry is focused on, oh, you bring, you bring all the boats together and you do this thing called a boat show. And the problem with that is everybody's kind of created equal. And so you don't see the service department and you don't see all the vans with technicians that are out servicing our customers and you don't see our facility and the training. And the, instead you see shiny boats at a boat show. So now we're doing it virtually. Mm-hmm. And we, except for a couple of shows, it looks like we're going to continue that. So, you know, the world has changed. So we're changing with it. And guess what? We've invested in into the systems and processes and team to be able to be a leader in not only our industry, perhaps even a lot of industries. And that's what the world is today. And that's where it's going. And so we're learning how to indoctrinate customers because that's part of our strategy, teach them how to use their product, the whole family. We're doing that virtual in a lot of cases. So they go to the boat and we'll put them on a video and we can show them how to operate the system and teach them how to do things that before we had to use captains and we're still doing captains for some of this, but we're not having to bring them in after hours because a lot of them still have jobs and teach them how to do that. We're also learning how to, to not only show them videos online to get them excited to use AI, artificial intelligence, to qualify the customer before we hand it off to a sales team member. And so right now, I think we're getting about 2,000 qualified a day in our company. And so we'll go to the, now we hand it off to the sales team member and we say, he's looked at this particular model, this number of times, he's asked these number of questions. And in some cases, the AI is responding back to the customer. In fact, I'll tell you a story. There is an instance where a potential customer tried to hire the AI person. (laughs) So because it was doing such a good job. But, (laughs) you know, it is our future and it's going to continue to be that way. And, you know, kids are growing up today with an iPad or an iPhone or something in their hand. And, and then, you know, my girls as an example, and I don't remember the name of the software, they're designing houses online with their friends. And so, you know, it is the world we're in and that's where it's going. And it's, it's making boating much easier, not only from a navigational standpoint, but a system standpoint. We have technology today that will predict a problem before it shows up to the customer. What could be better than that? It is the future. And it's something that, you know, companies will either learn to grow with and implement, or they're going to be left behind and they're going to be left behind a big way. And so, It's one of our greatest strengths as a public company is to have that ability. 
You know, Bill, you've mentioned a couple of times that we're in the midst of a pandemic and we're, what, 10 months or so, I guess, into this. And it's been long and painful for most of us or for pretty much everybody around the world (laughs) dealing with all of this. And there's certainly been a lot of heartbreak and sadness. But you talked earlier about opportunities. And I find it really fascinating that Marine Max was well on the way to building all these digital assets and becoming a leader in the space with technology, as you pointed out, through acquisition of some of the best people and the best minds to really make this a you know, reality when this pandemic hit. And when I look at the stock price of Marine Max prior to the pandemic and look at it today, it's almost doubled. So <laughs> there have been a lot of factors going on there, but Marine Max has done pretty well. So talk to us a little bit. You've been through, you started this company at a pretty rough time because there were some economic challenges that occurred shortly after the company was launched. You went through the recession, the Great Recession, with a company that's a luxury product, which was a real challenge for a lot of people at that time. And now we've gone through this pandemic, which is a completely different kind of economic challenge. And it's been different every time for the company, but the company is really seems to have figured out how to weather these storms. Could you talk a little bit about maybe dealing with these challenges over the history of the company? And then in particular, you know, what's happened in the pandemic? And I find it really fascinating. Well, I mean, if you go all the way back to the I guess the first challenge I experienced in the boating industry, Rebecca, was was the you know the Arabs cut off the oil with the embargo? So mm-hmm. here I am. I'm sitting and I'm looking at this inventory that we had in stock, and I'm thinking, my gosh, people are waiting in line two hours to get ten gallons of gas for their car. What are we going to do? Well, guess what? The government did not cut off or you know the access to fuel for boats, and so we I started promoting, hey here's a chance to get fuel, but also here's also a chance to get away from this problem and all the news that's going on and get out on the water and forget it. Mm-hmm. And so that's basically what we, that was our approach and that's what we did. And when interest rates were 18% after that, we figured out, well, my gosh, things must be booming in the economy. Great time to buy a boat. So we did that. And with the pandemic, We didn't know what to do at first, but we said, got to be an opportunity in here. And we said, well, people aren't going to travel. And so, you know, right now, European countries are locked down. You can't even go there. China's locked down. A lot of countries are locked down. A lot of people are scared of traveling. And so guess what? The recreation's boating. You know, some of it's biking and some of it's hiking and some of it's you know, other things. But at the end of the day, boating is a perfect recreation for that. And so what we are experiencing is that there is a big influx of new boaters, you know, which we're capitalizing on that are saying, my gosh, I can't stay at home all day. What safer place to be than be out on the water? And guess what? I'm more focused on family. I've spent more time with them. You know, we've been locked up. We're not going out or haven't been going out very much. And so, my gosh, it is about family more. And so we're capitalizing on that right now. And, 
you know, we truly hope that, you know, the vaccines work and we hope that this thing gets behind us. But, you know, knock on wood, we're happy with what it's doing for our industry. And we think it's sustain- sustainable because at the end of the day, you know, if you once you truly experience the boating with Marine Max, and that's what we try to do is, you know, we have getaway trips that we do with our customers. They've been slowed a little bit, but we're going to bring them back. And we try to make it a, an enjoyable experience. Once you do that, you want to continue with it. And so, you know, if families have grown kids or grandkids or young kids, they're finding that this is a wonderful, wonderful family recreation. And so we're taking advantage of that. You know, will there be more problems that come along? Absolutely guaranteed. And with them, you got to you got to rush up there and say, okay, well, how are we going to handle this? What are we going to do about it? And you involve your whole team. So we we brought them together and we've we've communicated a lot with them and said, let's collaborate on what we do here and how we take advantage of this situation. And in a lot of regards, they've come back and, and said, here's some suggestions. And we had a call it a a challenge in our company that, you know, we got to where we believed that we needed inventory and stock in a big way in order to, you know, to meet our customers' needs. And what we've discovered is you don't need all that inventory and stock. You can leverage our other stores to get the inventory. You can also get customers to wait a little bit on an ordered boat if they need to do that. But at the end of the day, inventory is the biggest asset we have in our company other than our people. But, you know, it's also can be the biggest problem if you have a major downturn like in 2008. And that was our biggest problem in 2008. We had inventory built up, you know, for a billion dollar company and growing. And all of a sudden, bam, it was all shut off. And a lot of a lot of dealers and manufacturers in serious trouble that were dumping product. And so we had to deal with that and get through it. So, you know, lessons learned, don't repeat your mistakes and learn from your lessons. And I mean, learn from your mistakes. And at the end of the day, try to figure out how to make it better. So that's what we've been doing. Yeah. You know, that is a true entrepreneurial mindset. I think the recognition that there's always going to be problems and you're going to make mistakes along the way. I was really lucky because my mom always said to me, if you didn't make a mistake, you haven't been doing anything. So she kind of gave me permission early on, but you know, it's so interesting to hear you talk about your entrepreneurial experience and, and how you've continued to approach all those challenges and all those mistakes as basically learning opportunities, which is kind of takes us back full circle to what we talked about earlier, the importance of learning. And that's probably also one of the things that makes entrepreneurship and business even so much fun, I think, is that you get to learn all this really cool stuff. (laughs) So Bill, what do you think are the biggest challenges facing entrepreneurs today? If you were talking to some of our students out there who are thinking about starting companies, what do you think their biggest challenges are? I'd say the the biggest single challenge is, is, as I see it today, is understanding that the world has changed and business has also changed. And so doing business is different than it was five years ago, 10 or 20 years ago. But also 
understanding that your biggest challenge is to surround yourself with good people. You know, if you want to make your life easy and a lot of fun, surround yourself with good people. And if you want the opposite of that, you know, surround yourself with not the right people, because that makes life not fun and business not fun. So, you know, and you will always find yourself with the wrong people because that's part of life. But at the end of the day, you're continually working to make it better. And to do that, make it better with the people first. And guess what? Your life will be more fun and your business will be more successful. That sounds like great advice. I usually end my program by asking if you had one piece of advice to leave with our listeners, what would it be? I think I'm guessing what it would be, but I'm going to ask it anyway. (laughs) (laughs) It's what I tell our team all the time. When I talk to a store manager, I keep telling them, surround yourself with the right people and your life becomes a lot more fun. So you know, that's it, basically, and work hard to get there and never give up. And that's spoken by a guy that I know (laughs) enjoys every day because you're still out there skiing, water skiing and snow skiing and having fun with uh, work and everything else that you do. Bill, it's been such a treat to have you with us today. And if our listeners wanted to connect with you, how could they do that? Well, my email is bill.m at marimax.com. And that's probably a good way to start, but I'd also be open if you'd like to speak with you, you know, on the phone. So email me first. And if I can help in any way, I'd be happy to do it. Also go on to marinemax.com and you can learn about a lot what we're doing for our customers and and what's happening in in our company. Thank you, Bill. Really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you, Rebecca. 